Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guardians of the Spectrum podcast, Volume 1, Episode 1. Today, Cassie and I will be giving our take on the Blue Bucket autism discussion. Is it okay? Is it not okay? We'll see. We also talk about the benefits of using a visual checklist, how it helps us, and we give a little insight about our experience with ABA therapy. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, so uh, I can't believe it's the fall season already here in California, if you can even call it fall. Um, We have Halloween coming up and costumes and lots of stimuli, so it's a big time for our family at least of uh, trying to like figure out how to navigate the holiday season and the different candies and the different food and trick-or-treating and there's just a lot of things and costumes oh my goodness I can't forget last year how hard it was to get Noah into his costume (laughs) do you remember Super Mario what it was hard for him oh no it was the year before the minion one the The minion minion one was hard that was a tough year see what we did was one two years ago we had the boys as minions and uh you know we we all had like the, they had the matching like overalls and stuff. Yeah, like that. and it was like a. They were giant costumes. Mm-hmm. They were just too big for them. And kind of like an itchy material, yeah. and it was just like a sensory nightmare. So the next year, we modified those minion costumes and bought some Super Mario gear and basically made them Super Mario characters. Yeah. Wario, Luigi, you know, all those guys. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had better success because we knew yeah. how to how to handle the costume at that point. Uh, but and they were also bigger. They filled it in a little more. Yeah, they were taller and. Yeah. and uh, a little chunkier, so they fit well. But that but, uh, that uh, that brings us to the first thing that we uh, we wanted to talk about today on this podcast, which is uh, this this uh, blue bucket thing that yeah Cassie told me about this morning. Cassie, can you tell me about uh yeah? So the the blue bucket, the blue bucket thing I saw either last year or a couple years ago, and it's it's kind of similar to the like wear blue on, on World Awareness Day for autism, um, where it's like a signal to those houses that we visit. Um, that our children have autism. Um, and so they may interact with them in a different way than they're used to. Um, and so it's just like a visual signal if you know what it means. Um, and I think that's like the biggest controversy is, is the blue bucket positive for people or is it more of a stigma? Is it more of a, a label? Um, and that's kind of where the discussion online I saw, it was kind of, there was two sides to it um, of either it singles them out um, it points out their differences, but then others believe it's spreading awareness because people are asking questions. So that's basically the blue bucket thing. Yeah, the blue bucket. I mean, where I stand on that whole thing is like I, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn between between two things because it's the it's the idea of being like torn between like having, having like your own like banner or group that you associate yourself with, um, and in a positive way, or you know also, being lumped into being lumped into a group. Um, uh, for, for negative reasons. And, uh, you know, some people, some people, you know, get offended by, by being lumped into groups like, uh, they, like, they don't, like, there's a lot of people out there that don't agree with the, agree with or enjoy or like the, the puzzle piece Mm. symbol as a, uh, as a symbol or some, or banner emblem for uh, the autism community. So, uh, yeah, no, there's just falls into that, I think. Yeah, there's definitely different perspectives for everything, at least for us. Our kids are so young, right? Like they're three and five. And I think that once you get to like the five-year-old age, you're expected to behave and, and, and be a certain way. And I know that our son, he's a very polite young man, but there are times (laughs) very well behaved. Like the structure is very prevalent in our home and, and that's something we take pride in. 
but he may not interact with his peers. He may not interact with the homes that we visit in the same way as it's expected as the norm, quote unquote. Um, And I feel like for us, if we are doing our part to advocate and like and using our platforms to show that the blue bucket is really just a way to, sh- to be more kind and be more accepting of the different behaviors, um, that it will help our kids cause they are young. Um, and especially as they get older, cause the expectations change as you get older. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely have to be, we're the ones that have to make the decisions for that stuff right now. And I mean, in, in many ways, I don't really see a problem with, with wanting to, uh, you know, wanting to have some sort of like color or something like that to represent like, represent you know kindness kindness towards a group of people that have a specific kind of um difficulty in yeah, their and, life and that's not to say that all people on the spectrum are the same either yeah. right so some kids and adults on the spectrum may not even behave differently they may not even appear to be quote unquote different um, than what we expect, but may have struggles in other ways. And so it's not a, a, I don't think the bucket thing is to say like, we're all the same and we all share this label and, um, you need to treat us all the same. It's just more of a way. It's a platform, I think. So I think overall, just like, uh, just be kind, be kind to people. If you see that, especially if you see someone who is, you know, feeling, or they seem like they might be like uncomfortable about something or, or they, they're having a moment or, yeah. you know, or they're just, uh. Uh, you know, they they might do something out of the ordinary, like maybe grab grab a candy extra, grab an extra candy yeah. or two, you know. Or they may not say anything at all. Yeah. And to many people, that's rude. At least in our culture, that's rude. Yeah. Um, and that's not part of the holiday. But for our boys a few years ago, they didn't have language at all. They couldn't say trick or treat. They just repeated everything we said. Or, and so, or I, or look at you in the eye. Yeah. Or like acknowledge you, acknowledge or like that they, you were even there. There was. Yeah. There was a. They had a lot of difficulty like with connecting with people in that way yeah so and i think too this is just a, another way to get people talking about disabilities yeah. um and i think that that goes to the same idea of wearing blue right when i'm with my community of special needs parents we all have different things we participate in for the disabilities we're affected by yeah. um and so uh, we've got, I've got family and friends who have different disabilities and they have, they stand for different causes and they all have some sort of symbol to like use as a soapbox, as like a, as a platform to talk about it. Because I know for me, there have been so, there's been so much learning that has happened this last year about different disabilities and different cancers and different struggles and diseases. And I feel empowered when I see something online and I can ask questions about it so I can learn and be more accepting. Because you don't know what you don't know. That's true. Yeah. So if you see a blue bucket, you know, and if not, just be kind. Yeah. This Halloween. I think that's really important. Don't be a hater. (laughs) Let's not hate. Yeah. Um, That kind of brings us into the uh, the bullying experience, I think. Um, If we're talking about hate. Um, Oh, gosh. Yeah, we uh, Talk we, about the looks. <laughs> we like to the take our our kids out, even though we know it can be a struggle at times. Um, that's why we still trick or treat. That's why we still go and we take vacations and stay at hotels. And even though it is very challenging at times, especially because we have three small children in general, and then you add in their difficulties. Uh, but there was this one experience in particular that just resonates with me when I think of hate and it's the bowling experience. Yeah. The, the haters that, that were out that night. Um, but so we, we were in a, 
in Laughlin, Nevada. We like to travel there with our family for both both sides of our family for mm-hmm. different reasons. Um, and uh, we were out there with a, a mix of our family, yeah. hanging out and bowling. It was late. It was very we, late. We had a, we had a day sugar. of travel already, <laughs> a long day of travel out there already. And uh, the boys were sugared up. So we can keep them awake, so we can have a little, a little extra fun. Yeah, like they never super stay late. Up. Yeah, you know they have they have a very strict schedule, so they're probably uh, they're very used to going to bed around seven thirty easily right, at the latest. Easily, so um, and it was like eight thirty, yeah. and we were like we were on vacation, so we decided yeah. to try it. Um, and it was a full little like it was a small bowling alley, but it was full. Yeah. Um, and they had never been bowling before, so we wanted to really give them that experience, and yeah. so we made an exception um, to the bedtime. and uh it you know it started out pretty good we had a lot of fun uh luckily luckily we had some help there because i don't think cassie and i would have been able to you know do it at all if uh we didn't have the help of my sister and uh and her boyfriend yeah and so there was four adults to three kids which was helpful my uh, word of advice to any family with kids in general is if they're under five like try not to go out unnumbered um, yeah. or outnumbered because be even. it can be, yeah, it could be even or then plus some yeah. because it, it can be challenging as all parents know, but especially with uh, kids on the spectrum, you just never know how they're going to react. Like, for example, one of our kids, he reacts a certain way whenever we go to a Denny's. And so we know like we either don't eat there or when we do eat there, we like take help because he needs a lot of attention. Um, so we brought them with us. We thought we could do it. It was four to three. <laughs> yeah. So we, we started out and th- we did pretty good. And, uh, near the end of the, of the game. Not even, it was like the halfway fir- through, halfway through the first what? game. It, like this, this woman did not last very long. Maybe it was the end for a long, or at least I was hoping it was going to be the end for a Definitely long time. Definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there were so many of us playing, so it took a very long time yes, for us to get through this yes. game. And, uh, the boys were having a difficult time. And they were uh, having they a were great tired. time, though. The, like, they, to be honest, they were no, running around well, having yeah. a great time. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's too good of a time. Uh, exactly. Because they were like, they were like wild little children that they were, were wildlings. would not stop. So what happens when they don't want to go to sleep or they feel tired is they do the opposite of mm-hmm. sitting down to rest. They, yeah. It's like they just have this spurt of energy and they just are climbing on the walls. Yeah. And like so, to, just to paint this picture, we were at a lane on like the right side of a lane. And then there was another family on the left side of our lane. Yeah. And so we all shared like that same ball return. Um, and so the balls are coming out, the pins are really loud. We have one kid in headphones who's struggling. We have another kid on a <laughs> tablet because he can't focus. Um, and then we have one who's trying to like run onto the actual like lane. And so like he's falling. It was just, it was, if you could picture chaos in a bowling alley, that was what it was. Um, but this, this family, because we actually rotated. It took us so long to bowl. We rotated through two different groups of people. Yeah. Um, and the first group of people was like an older woman, her husband, and maybe her child. I'm not even sure. Like adult child. Yeah. But they, it was a group of three. Doesn't matter because they were patient. They were, oh, wait, are we talking they about the not. Oh, the, the no, first group was not. Yeah, the not. first group was not patient. Yeah, they the were, second group was great. Yeah, they had, uh, you know, they had their own, like, their own personal, personal, like, customized bowling balls, balls. Bowling balls. Yeah. Names itched <laughs> in on there, like. Yeah, was, which is coming from a family that bowls. It real. It's totally normal. Oh, right? yeah. Like, it's a totally normal thing. But I know a pro when I see one. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so we knew, like, they take the sport very professionally. Mind you, we're in a family hotel 
with like lots of families, um, These like, are like with young hardcore kids. hardcore league bowlers. Um, and basically like the woman was very rude and because my son, he likes colorful, mm-hmm. bright things and yes. he picks it up and he throws this ball down and it didn't have a name on it. it I, I didn't realize that it was like a custom ball until it came back. Yeah. And this woman, instead of being kind, she decided to be condescending and rude and say, you know, I'm not responsible if your son breaks my ball or if it hurts him and breaks or something because it had a crack in it. And instead of saying that, I would have expected kindness of like, hey, you know, just so you know, like that's our ball. It's totally fine if you use it. Like just being kind or not. Or like, even not use or it. Or not just, use it. Just, just say, mention hey, you it. Know, you know, please, you know. please, uh, you know, would you please not have your child touch my ball? That's, yeah. Okay, it, my it, bad. Excuse me. I didn't know. I didn't know that was your ball. For sure. Yeah, but it was, let me know. Yeah. No worries. And it was just like. I got this. And it was just like. <laughs> Totally, the body language was there. The was, looks were rude. there. The That's, eye roll. Like, there were other yeah. things other than the words that she chose. Because yeah. and we didn't use the ball after that. We didn't realize it was hers. Yeah. Um, and so like it continues, and they ended up leaving. But it was just that is just one example of the scrutiny that our family goes through often. Yeah. <laughs> like we've learned to just kind of ignore it. But when you're tired and your kids are tired, it's nine thirty at night. It's really hard to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so those are things that we, we've seen. Um, and I know I've taken a lot from that experience of just like, we were on an airplane a couple of days ago and we had kids screaming on the airplane and both of us, like we're the last people to cast stones and like judgment because yeah. we know like kids, kids have their reactions. They, they have and moments. And these, and these kids that were on the airplane with us, they were, they were on this nine hour flight that we were both just previously on, previously. on. So they were on this full on long, long yeah. plane ride. Got maybe an hour and a half in Not between. Even. An hour in between. And yeah. then had to go on another, another two and a half hour plane yeah, ride to babies. get to our destination. Yeah. Oh, so, was, I mean, just with that and the bullying experience, like it's tough for adults, right? To, to maintain these stru- structural, social like parameters. And when you get the judgment, especially from, people who have no idea what you're going through, it's really challenging yeah. because it's like, we're doing the best that we can and we're trying to give our kids the same experience as every other kid. Um, and so we don't need the judgment and the looks. It's just not needed. <laughs> we have this, te- this technology nowadays it's called, they call them headphones. Yes. Things get a little too loud. That's what throw we did. Those, <laughs> throw those little babies in. Anyone. Yeah. Disability or not. Yeah. You know, throw those little babies in. There you yeah. go. And if You're we're not, and if we're not like harming you physically, we're not up in your business, like don't be up in our business to be completely honest, because our, we're just trying to have a good time with our family. And yes, and, and it would be different if we were just letting them run havoc. Like we were sweating, trying to keep them in our <laughs> and, side of the lane. And we had the, and like, the adults outnumbered the kids. Yeah. That's and we the, were still struggling. Yeah. Um, and so if you see people struggling, there's a couple different ways you can approach it. You can ignore it completely right? Don't cast judgment. Don't stare. Don't look at them. Like they're doing the best that they can with the chaos or you can offer your support. Like we had a couple that came in next and one of our boys liked them. Like they were like a younger couple, probably maybe just a little bit younger than us. They were sitting and they were bowling and having a great time. One of our boys just wanted to be near them and he sat with them Yep. and we were like, Oh, would you like us to, they're like, no, he's fine. Like they were accepting of our chaos and not that everyone has to, but oh, they, 
And it was evident there was <laughs> yeah. chaos. And it was, and they could tell that they knew it was overwhelming. It was funny, like because you could tell. Like that there they was knew. a point where you know, one of our boys had j- literally just ran out, <laughs> and out of excitement, I don't even, I don't even remember. I just turned around and I saw him running towards one of the lanes and flying up, flipping. And he slipped on in the, the oil. air, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then ever, on and, his butt. And and that felt like it made the whole bowling alley silent. For yeah. a second, everyone's like, oh my hard. gosh, what just happened? Um, As they see the other children climbing on, you know, hanging from yes. hanging from the chandeliers. It was basically, pretty nuts. basically. But, yeah. you know, but that's like two <laughs> very like different examples yeah. of how you can react to a situation like that. Um, and I know we only know what we know. It just should be the one thing we all know is just to be kind to people. Like, yeah. I don't understand the judgment and it's really hard for me. It doesn't happen all the time. But it is. It's really hard for me to see people judging, A, our children and our parenting. Because we put in countless hours into our parenting to make events like that happen for our kids. And unless you live it, you don't know how difficult that is. You don't. We all have struggles. Yeah. We do. So, you know, that was the bowling experience and hate. <laughs> throw shade. Throw shade. There you go. I like that. Throwing shade. Yes. Throwing shade. Um, but yeah, so we came back that from that, like changed people. We're like, well, we're, we learned our lesson. We're not doing that. Oh, uh, just remember everyone looking at, like we all, all the adults looked at each other and we're just like, is this really happening right now? Yes. That was this, a real moment. Is it this crazy right now? Is, I didn't think this was possible. Yeah. Cause I mean, our kids are very like mild mannered. Like it's just so like, they're usually pretty calm. Yeah. Unless they're having a meltdown, that's different. But like their typical day to day selves are very quiet, very mild mannered. Yeah. You know, and it was just so out of their norm. But again, this, but again, I think too, it's important to name that when kids are behaving that way, at least our kids in particular, they're usually overstimulated. And that bowling alley, for me as an adult, was overstimulating. <laughs> the music and the lights and the sound and the people and the crashing of the pins. Like, it's a lot. And they had never experienced that before. Plus, they were high on sugar. So that didn't help. Note to self. <laughs> Do you want to uh, visual checklist? Oh, I love the visual checklist. That's been a big hit. Yes. So one thing, uh, one thing that Cassie did a couple months ago. About two months now, at least we've been yeah, doing it, right? About two. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been about two months since we've been doing this uh, visual checklist, uh, just to keep us all on track, my parents included. Yeah, it helps uh, us. We we put up these checklists that have things to do in the morning, the afternoon, after school, and uh, at night for bedtime, mm-hmm. uh, and they've been a really big help with uh, just getting us all uh, on the right track so that we can get through our day. Yeah. And uh, I where, think, where'd you find that? Or? Uh, I just, I use it as a teacher, like the, the checklists on mm-hmm. the board of like, this is what we're doing today. Um, and then I just learned, I just Googled like, you know, visual checklist tutorials and like, you know, sensory for kids with autism and like making things, you know, manipulative so that they can do it that way. And I kind of just merged a bunch of ideas into one um, and bought the materials and just kind of went with it. We were also trying to get the kids uh, in a better nighttime routine, and it kind of expanded. Like when I was sitting there, I was like, oh, why not do, do three instead of just one? Because they were struggling with the sleep, um, and that's a big a big part of autism is sleep and winding down and t- turning, turning off your brain, and we found that the routines are really helpful with that. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's found that a lot of a lot of people with autism, you know, they they have a a better time with with handling tasks or doing things like that. Uh, if there is some sort of structure yep. structure to it, instead of just being you know just trying to get it done, however. Yeah. Um, so we definitely had a lot of struggles without structure at all throughout the day. Yeah, and just keeping us on time too as yeah. adults. Which is uh, it, it could be chaos sometimes, and uh, having having some sort of checklist to kind of follow so that everyone knows what's going on and makes it a lot easier to yeah. get things done. And I think for me, my biggest goal for for our kids is to really make them independent at one point, right? Because they they're only yeah. three and five, but. We're not, we don't want them to need us forever. And that's really hard for my mom heart to say is, you know, I want them to be able to function without me. And this gives them authority to do what they need to do. It's very, it's image based because they don't all read yet. And it allows them to kind of do it in whatever order they want to. So we have one kid who does it in order, like our oldest must do it in order. <laughs> um, and then our middle one, he depends on the day. And then our, uh, I'm sorry, our younger one depends on the day. And the middle one, he, he does it with, in whatever order he wants to do it in. Yes, <laughs> so it's like, was... I don't want to do this one yet. I'm going to do this one because he's more, he, ch- he struggles with compliance yeah. and like doing things because we tell him to. So I think, um, but yeah. you're with them more. So do you feel like he definitely, that's accurate? Yeah. He, he definitely needs to, uh. Well, he just tries to avoid it, really, in general. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but it he, does help it, him. But it does help. It does help him know what what he needs to do so he can get what he wants. Because typically, at the end of it, it's we, you know, it, we have we have a positive positive thing at the end of it, which is yeah. iPad time Structured or some sort, you know, time. some sort of. Yeah. So they have, they get a limited amount of time on their iPad uh, at the end of this thing, you know, before we move on to the next activity, which mm-hmm. in the morning it's after the morning routine, we end up going on the school bus. And when they get home, it's it's uh, usually therapy mm-hmm. that they'll have after, and then the bedtime routine. We have a I, we have bedtime after that, so of course. Yeah, <laughs> and there are so many studies yeah. that show just even for typical or neuro, like neurotypical kids or non typical neurotypical kids that like routine kids strive for routine. They won't tell you that they need it, but like if you study education, if you study neurology if you study like psychology all of these things show that kids thrive on structure um this idea of being able to anticipate what's coming next because i don't know about you but when i'm told to do something randomly it can kind of throw me off a little bit and i'm an adult (laughs) so imagine being a little human being told what to do in like five second bursts and not really knowing you know like what's coming next and what the purpose is um, I know for me in my in my career and in my life, if I don't know the purpose of something, it's really hard for me to be invested. So for the boys, they know like we've explicitly told them the nighttime routine is to help you sleep better. And you also get a routine or you also get a reward at the end of it before you go to bed because bedtime was a huge struggle for us for so long. Um, and even the morning routine, getting them out of the house was a challenge. Um, like <laughs> it was a challenge. So... Just yeah, sure. that's the thing. You know, just a little background on uh, on Cassin and myself. You know, we both worked with kids. You know, for a good part a good part of our life. Cassie still is working with kids. Um, you know, I I used to teach swim. I used to teach swim to kids, and uh, Cassie has had worked in summer camps and then yeah. became a teacher. And you know, now she she's an assistant principal. 
Yeah. So it's and I still work in a school that offers services to all kids of all abilities, and so yeah. a lot of this stuff I just steal from my education background, um, and I apply it to my kids. So yeah, so. kind of make it work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the visual routines are really easy to make. It does take a lot of time, so to make all three for all three of my kids, so that's nine different charts. Um, it took me about a whole day, like of not not a whole day, but probably like morning to late afternoon. Um, and, but it was worth it cause they're still, um, up today and they're working, they're a little raggedy. We learned, um, and that'll be posted in the tutorial on our website, um, on how to make them last longer and keep them looking nice and new. But those, all those materials will be on the website for you guys to download for free. And if you just it. decide to do the paper one and it rips, then you can just go print out another just one. make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there'll be different options and a tutorial step-by-step, -step, um, on the website. Yeah. So if you'd like to use it, and it's good, even if your kids don't have autism, it's it's great because it gives you that like task and reward, positive reinforcement um, that may get them to do more chores than you think. Yeah. Give a little responsibility. Yeah. Can go a long way. Definitely. <laughs> um, but I guess we learn a lot. Of, we learn a lot of strategies like that from uh, yes. from ABA therapy. Yes, we do. So, um, and our ABA therapist love our checklists. They were so excited about it. Oh, yeah. When they saw that, their <laughs> eyes literally, they lit up. Like, They're like, oh, this wow. is amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> so. they use it when they come because they're here with us at nighttime because that's our most challenging time of day with the kids. Um, and, and so they'll use them with us. Yeah. And it helps. How long have we been doing ABA for? For Well, um, Noah, Noah hasn't. He didn't really get. Noah didn't get it. But since the boys were 18 months, so yeah. a year and a half, yeah. almost two because it'll be four. It's been a while. Yeah. But, so we, it's, yeah, but we've learned a lot. It's definitely been, it's definitely uh, changed the way that I look at things and I, uh, I approach things. Um, yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, ABA is a, um, is a form of therapy for kids on the spectrum in particular. So it's, um, it's for their, like, it's teaching them the basics that typical kids usually pick up by observing. Um, so it can be things, anything from eating with a spoon to, you know, going to the restroom to, you know, interacting with their peers, um, to, uh, practicing saying words appropriately. And, and so before the boys were three, it was just called universal behavioral therapy. Um, and now that they are officially diagnosed, it's now they've moved into ABA. Um, so it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that, um, um, that, uh, that all goes back, that all goes to, into like, a. The way that people with autism develop, or not develop, learn. but just process things mm -hmm. and learn things. So, you know, that's how you can have someone who, you know, who, who can do, you know, who can make crazy structures and stuff in their head and like be able to see different, different types of shapes and things and things within things yeah. uh, and uh, still have difficulty, you know. Forming a sentence. Yeah, forming, forming sentences mm -hmm. or doing or doing certain things like that. So, yeah. So and our boys are all different as well. And yeah. so like the twins are the only struggles. ones that have the therapy right now. Um, we've been another podcast where we'll talk about insurance and the struggle is real because um, <laughs> that is a real struggle. Yes. But um, with the twins, they both are in different places. And so we've got, you know, one who super needs the visual routine and step by step directions and the other who they basically work on like prepositions and over and under and sentence forming and he's and she's and pronouns and because he struggles to form language. 
Um, whereas the other, he just needs more behavioral, like structure, <laughs> structure <laughs> and like coping mechanisms yeah. because he struggles. Oh, yeah. He struggles when yeah. things are not what he expects them to be. He will have a freak out. So, um, and we've also had a lot of turnover. Like that's another bigger topic is just like the ABA world and, and turnover and how that's just not good for kids. Um, we've had a phenomenal experience with our company, but I can't tell you, I can't even count how many times we've lost a therapist and got a new one. And like recently we had one who was here for one day or two days. How long was he here? He was here for about two. He he came in for about two sessions. Two and sessions. Then, and then just disappeared. Yeah. And so. our kids, like if you know any kids on the spectrum, some of them struggle with like forming relationships. Um, our son, Eli, really struggles with that idea of like trusting and, and forming that relationship. And so losing those therapists is really challenging because it throws them off and then they their behaviors show up in different ways um, and then it takes us a minute to be like why is he acting this way oh we know why he's acting yeah. this way because of this so you hear a lot more a lot more screams in those first sessions yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very loud i know with his very first therapist she put so much like consistency with him it was great but he hated it because he was being forced to work um and yeah. not like get what he wanted through screaming. And so it took him probably two weeks before she wore him down. And he was like, okay, this is just the way that it is. Um, but ABA is, is truly a blessing. I don't think our boys, we were talking about this the other day, how like Noah wasn't speaking this much mm-hmm. at this age. Yeah. Um, he's still very much in the one to two word makes sentences. It, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's, it's Early intervention. It's definitely uh, something that has helped help the boys, uh, the twins uh, just make huge strides towards getting to a, a place where they can communicate with ease, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. And I think um, there's another, we have another video up on the website about early interventions. I highly recommend it. Um, it talks about the different avenues you can take with your kids at different ages. Um, An ABA can be given to you, like they call it behavior, like global behavioral intervention, but uh, it can be given to you for free, especially if you live in California. We have a lot of resources for that. But it's so important because we kick ourselves like all the time because we feel like we waited too long with Noah, um, but we just didn't know any better, and that guilt has just got to go. Right? Yeah, that's like, the thing. Like, why, why wait? Like, if you see if you see something that seems out of the ordinary, or you have a feeling about you know possibly your child might not be um, in the place where you think they should be. Um, what, and you have those resources and they qualify, why not use them? Yeah, that's that's the best thing to do is you're going to help your child, you're going to help yourself. It's just, uh, and whether if, if they end up having, you know, if they end up having to get a diagnosis, if that's where it ends up going, all the better. If not, then all the better as well. You they'll know, be it's, up and they'll yeah, be they'll, they will be in a place where they need, where you, you knew they should have been and needed a little help to get to. So, and it's the greatest thing about it too, is like if, at 18 months, if your student or your student, if your child <laughs> is not, I'm in my educator mode, if your child is not where you feel he or she should be, you just, it can't hurt to just ask. Like, I know we have so much pride in this idea, at least I know I did, of like, I'm an educator, I, my kids should be doing X, Y, and Z, we do this, we do shapes, we do letters, we do numbers, like, we had such high expectations for our son, and so when he didn't meet those expectations, because he physically couldn't, we kicked ourselves, 
Like, we, I know I carried a lot of guilt. Like, this is somehow my fault. Yeah. But when it came down to it and we got him assessed, it wasn't our fault. We just didn't, weren't teaching him the way he needed to be taught. Yeah. Um, and so it's not... An, it's and not in many an, ways, we didn't, have, we didn't have the amount of time to put into to the time that he needed to yeah. get that to, to get that kind of support. Yeah. You know, that's that's where like ABA comes in comes into play or you know, an early intervention kind of program can come into play. They are there to be able to give that time to to your child one on one, you know, yeah. individually because things need to get done around the house they still. Do. And, <laughs> and, and taking care of a child yeah, is so intense. Like there's just more that goes into it, especially if you have two working yeah. parents. Oh and, my goodness. And if you have multiple imagine. children. Yeah, you know, you have multiple yes. children. You, you gotta, you gotta divide up the time. Yeah, it's, and we're extremely blessed. Like Andrew gets to be pretty much a full time parent. You know, he manages school, but he does that when I'm back home or at night. And so we're very blessed to have that. But even still, like, there's just so much to do because we have three children. There's no way he can be in three places at once, teaching them in the way they need to be taught. And so that's why these early intervention programs are invented right because there are even homes where you have two working parents and you have a babysitter or a grandmother that's with them or a grandfather that's with them and so these people are trained to make that hour or four hours of time however long the time is so purposeful and so meaningful and they track their progress and their goals so that way your child is always moving forward um, which is really really hard to do as a parent of multiple children. Yeah, definitely. I, I I doubt any parent out there has like legit graphs and charts of the things that their kids are working on, the goals that are coming up, yeah. and how to get them there. Exactly. And, and if they, if you are, kudos to you. I, like, please let us know how you know, do that. Like... But it's very challenging because there's more than just teaching that goes involved to parenting, right? Like you have to keep them safe and you're teaching them social skills and you have soccer or language classes or getting them to school in general. And really what parent is thinking about that? Like you don't, you don't get, the only reason we're even thinking about that kind of stuff is because we literally got taught by the state through the, through the regional center and like the, and the program that, that the boys are in with it, with ABA therapy. And and I'm so grateful for my university education because a lot of this stuff that I learned about early education applies to my kids. And so we were able to, see that we needed help because they weren't getting what they needed from us. And that can feel uncomfortable and that can feel like you failed in a way, but we're here to tell you that you haven't failed. (laughs) Like it's challenging and it's really hard to do it if you have no experience. So say you're not in education, so you've never heard of the autism in general and you're given an autism diagnosis, what do you do next? And I think that's why we exist. Yeah. (laughs) And it was hard for us with experience. We were, yes. with, we, we, you know, taught kids how to do stuff. Yeah. And so. even, even with experience, we <laughs> yeah. were so we were like, just what? in denial we, that it took, a, we're like, oh, like we were listening to the doctors at face value, which I highly don't recommend get multiple, um, yeah, multiple opinions, multiple is probably, opinions. especially if you, if you continue to see something out of the ordinary, yeah. Get multiple opinions on stuff. Listen to that parent gut of yours. um, Because if we wouldn't have... If we would have gotten a second opinion, I feel like we would have gotten uh, Noah diagnosed sooner. Because it's just... If you listen to your doctors, which we're trained to do, right? We're trained to be like, oh, doctor says we're okay, then we're okay. But our doctor didn't know about autism the way our neurologist does. There's... They have specialists out there for a reason, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Autism, it's... Over the past like fifty years, it's just it it it's 
it's just like getting this this huge traction to this point like where a lot of people are becoming or more people are becoming aware of it yeah so. we have laws now in place that yeah. protect our kids which is great um but it's just i don't think that's enough and i think the best yeah. way to go about acceptance and inclusion is just through all of you like spreading knowledge and making you feel confident in order to start these conversations um because autism is prevalent and they're finding ways to diagnose it and and catch it earlier so we can intervene and help make sure we teach them the way they need to be taught Um, because I know um, I I work with all kinds of diverse thinkers in my job and they all function they all appear to function the same way right all of us appear to get the job done but we all know how to do it for us and we all are different learners we're all different um, processors and we figure out ways that work for us and I think the earlier kids can figure out the way they learn and the way they process the better thanks for listening everyone you can find links to some of the resources we talked about as well as links to all our social media at www.guardiansofthespectrum.com <laughs>